Hi, this is Nina Bosky, one of the producers of the new podcast as we get ready for the launch of Marilyn Behind the Icon. And I'm Gary the Taco Robles, co-producer and co-writer of the podcast. So Gary and I are on with you right now because we'd like to share with you some of our most memorable interviews from working on the Maryland investigation over the last several years. Here's an interview we did with PR agent and producer Michael Selzman. Mr. Selzman worked at the Arthur P. Jacobs company at the time of Maryland's death. And he perpetuated many rumors that are just not true about Maryland. However, probably unknowingly, he cleared up many rumors that have been plaguing the Maryland investigation for years. We entitled this episode, Do Not Throw Out the Baby with the Bathwater, because not all of what he says is untrue. And certainly much of what he says is just not based upon fact, as you can hear in this interview. So as we listen to this episode, you'll see it gets a little heated, but we do get the ability to separate fact from fiction. Let's give it a listen. <laughs> it was before computers and uh, cell phones. And uh, uh, I, it took two weeks uh, for the reporters to get here from uh, uh, Australia or Japan. And uh, we had to um, host them uh, after the fact. And um, it just, uh, it was very different uh, in terms of uh, news. Um, everybody knew that Kennedy was, and his brother were in town because that's where the girls were. But uh, nobody talked about it. Today it would be front page news. Well Tell me a little bit when the Kennedys were in town. Are you talking about in general when they would come to town, the girls knew about it? Tell us a little bit about what what you mean by that. Yeah. Everybody knew uh, that the Kennedys were in and out of town. And um, But as, as I say, uh, it was withheld from the general public. Yeah, so when they would come to town in general that that you know not everybody knew when they would come in and out of town let's back up the truck a little bit gary you're with me as well um and 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 definitely want to talk to you a little bit more about um you know some of the questions that we have and you know the maryland fans as i said to you uh, on the phone we've got some specifics we'd like to ask you and in one of them you know given the fact that you were a press agent at the time right maryland's uh you know obviously you find out her passing. When did you actually find out? When was the call made to you? Um, at uh, three o'clock in the morning, Arthur called me and said, uh, get over to Marilyn's house. Uh, she's dead. And don't tell the media anything. So don't tell the media anything. Um, do you know back, if we back up the truck a little bit, Na- Natalie Trundy, who uh, mm-hmm. obviously ended up marrying Arthur, says right. that he was called away uh, from the Hollywood Bowl around 11-ish, saying that Marilyn was either on her way to passing or almost dead or was dead. Um, do you know that to be true? What is your recollection of it? Um, Arthur called me uh, at... Uh, as I say, three o'clock. But I, Natalie also told me the same thing that uh, uh, Arthur had been called um, by somebody. Uh, I assume it was Pat. Uh, at ten o'clock, he was at the Hollywood Bowl with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mervyn Leroy, who were also clients of ours, and um, he left. 
leaving uh, Natalie there with the uh, Leroy's. So why do you think he waited until 3 o'clock in the morning to call you versus 11 o'clock? Because that's, that's like almost a four-hour window. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knows. Okay. Um, Gary, you had a question as well that you wanted to ask him, too, in, in regards yes. to this. Yeah. Hi, Michael. My, my question Hi. goes back um, a little bit. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's been lots of rumors persisting that, that Marilyn had called a press conference for the Monday after her death to make an announcement, and it's kind of presumed to be related to her association with the president or attorney general. And I don't know, I've, I've kind of doubted this for two reasons, and the first one being you know, the Arthur P. Jacobs company, I know, had a fiduciary responsibility to Marilyn, and I would mm-hmm. think that they wouldn't have advised her to do anything like this or, or they wouldn't have coordinated it. And um, the other thing is if she had contacted members of the press herself, then I would, I would assume that following her death, the press at the time would have reported that she died just hours before calling the conference. So that never quite made sense to me. And I, I wondered, would you, would you care to comment on, on this persisting rumor? Sure. Um, I think it's uh, false. Uh, I don't think that uh, she ever um, contemplated uh, a press conference, and we would have known about it, uh, certainly, because somebody uh, in the media would have told us. Uh, there were only a handful of uh, reporters in those days. Uh, there was uh, Vernon Scott of the uh, UPI, and there was Jim Bacon of uh, the AP, and there was uh, Harrison, whatever his name was, from the um, Herald American, and there was Luella uh, in the person of Dorothy Manners, uh, who really wrote her column, and Hedda. And um, that was it. I mean, uh, the news was on at 6 o'clock for uh, half an hour. I mean, there was no cable. So um, somebody would have told us. Yeah, and it just, you know, Gary, to Gary's point, that just never seemed like it had a lot of credence, given the fact that even after she died, somebody would have said, oh, my God, she was going to care, you know, carry on a press conference. And yeah. I'm sure it would have been you guys would have known. So I, I, I want to say thank you for clearing up that rumor, because anybody's going to know something like that, the Arthur P. Jacobs agency would. And you're one of the, the last people that are talking, you know, with, you know, Pat Newcomb and yourself and Arthur. Tell us a little bit about how the agency was set up? There was only three people, um, uh, Arthur, uh, Pat, and myself. I handled most of the guys. I had 17 clients, and um, Pat handled most of the women. When Pat was busy with uh, Sid Charisse or Jennifer Jones, um, I was pressed into service to cover uh, Marilyn, as uh, she was. Um, If I were unavailable to uh, Hank Fonda or Jimmy Stewart or Peter Sellers or any of those people. So um, that was it. Uh, Arthur had hired me uh, in New York. I was the uh, assistant publicity director of uh, um, Paramount Studios, and uh, I was married to an actress who was under contract to uh, Fox at the time, Carol Lindley. And... um, uh, she wanted to move out here, and uh, I did too. And uh, John Springer, uh, who was Arthur's contact um, and employee on the East Coast, introduced us, and uh, that was how I got to California. 
So, so um, now were there other agents as well in the LA office? Because in the New York office, no. I, as no, because of what I was uh, told that there's in the New York office, it was smaller than the West Coast office. Gary, do, do you know? Yeah, uh, do, I know of names like, of course, John Springer, who you mentioned, Lois Weber, and um, I'm not sure. I, I believe Rupert Allen w- would have been on the West Coast. Actually, had gone actually, to Monaco. Actually, actually, Gary, they were with uh, Rogers and Cowan. Oh, okay. Okay, so so this is this is very helpful for us to kind of clarify this because mm-hmm. you know you are one of the the few people that are actually talking. What was your relationship like with uh, Pat Newcomb? Uh, it was um, distant. Pat was not friends with uh, anybody, and uh, it's odd. Um, I became a, a, a producer at um, MGM. Uh, in the 80s, and my partner and I had a uh, what's called a uh, two-year housekeeping deal in which we would scout material and then bring it to whatever executive uh, under uh, Alan Laird Jr. Um, had been hired, um, and um, Pat um, was hired as a, a vice president of production, and she was married to an English guy at the time, uh, Gareth Wigan, I believe was his name. And so um, I had come up with a uh, project, I think um, it was a pitch by a writer, and I walked into Pat's office, I said, nice to see you again after 30 years. And uh, she said, have we ever met? Do I know you? Oh, wow. Wow. So she had been told to forget the past, and uh, I guess she was um, sticking to it. So let's talk a little bit about that, you know, in terms of, and I want to, because this is a very crucial part for Maryland fans as well to really understand, you know, um, what was going on during that time, especially during the Arthur J., uh, you know, uh, uh, P. Jacobs uh, kind of era. So was Pat, when she actually, um, you know, went through Maryland's death and then was she actually fired? What was the actual process or did she no, just say? No, you know, no, no, no. I was at her house, uh, Maryland. Marilyn's house uh, behind the yellow line um, when Marilyn's body was uh, wheeled out on a stretcher uh, into the coroner's van, and Pat came out immediately thereafter, got into um, um, a black limousine, and departed. And uh, as far as I know, she went to Hyannisport, where she was, uh, I don't know, um, held incommunicado for... Uh, a period of months, and then uh, the Kennedys got her a job in Washington with the uh, U.S. Information Agency, where she remained a, a bunch of years, and then uh, surfaced again at, uh, in Los Angeles in the mid-'80s. Got it. Gary, you have some more questions along those lines as well. Um, well, yeah, what, what, was the, what was the agency's um, protocol on confidentiality while um, uh, a PR representative was working with the client and then posthumously. How was that managed, the confidentiality? Um, you, you promote the good news, you hide the bad news. And, so, and, on a per, and on a personal level, you know, the boundaries regarding professional person, personal relationships with clients. Um, you get to be very, very close to, um, to clients. 
uh, the closest people to clients are the makeup people because they snip the nose hairs and they uh, they cover the um, the butts with um, uh, pimples on the butts with uh, um, makeup and all of that stuff. So uh, usually uh, actors arrive at 5:30 in the morning and spend an hour or two or more with their makeup people and uh, their hairdressers, and those are the people um, that really know the secrets. Uh, actors are always acting, and actually we're all acting. I'm acting now as a philosophical um, teller of uh, Hollywood tales, and you're acting as whatever it is, and Nina's ask, acting as a, a radio host. So, But actors are always acting, and you can never believe anything uh, that an actor tells you. I was married to them, I hired them, I fired them, I represented them, so no one knows more about actors than me, personally. Um, and so... Uh, uh, actors tell you what they want to know, and uh, you get to be um, as intimate with them as they want you to be. So, so Michael, let's back up the truck a little bit here, okay? Um, just so we can understand, because we're, we're we're doing a timeline right now, right? Mm-hmm. So, so in the fall of 1961. Is that when you came out from New York to Los Angeles? I came out. I came out January one. Of, of 61 or 62? 61. 61. So you were in January of 61 leading up. You and Pat kind of separated your clients out. You were more of, um, uh, you know, the male clients that you kind of handled. She handled, you know, at that case, it was. I think it was just Marilyn that she handled. Is that correct? No, 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 no. She handled all the women. She handled What are all the, the women? Sid Charisse, uh, Jennifer Jones. Uh, I can't remember the rest. Rest, okay. So you guys, and then you would fill in for each other. So yeah. going back to to um, you know the day of her death, you were called by Arthur. Obviously, when was Pat called, or was Pat there when you got over there? What exactly I, happened? Well, as I know, as 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 I said, um, Pat left the house immediately after Marilyn's body was loaded into the coroner's van. So I don't know whether she spent the night or whether she was uh, there at um, whatever time Arthur arrived. It would have been after midnight. But she was there when you got there. Is that what you're saying? Um, well, she was there and followed Marilyn's body out of the house. So I never saw her go in. I only saw her go out. Go out. And what, and and what were um, what, what were the no, directives given by um, Arthur P. Jacobs to uh, respond to the house? What what would have been the um, kind of the goals for the firm in managing uh, this tragic death? He said, "Don't tell the media anything," and there was nothing uh, that we knew. So we didn't know anything, and then we had a. Um, we had some uh, members of the media show up at the office uh, the next day, and we said we didn't know anything because we didn't know anything. So how long before, and that was the other question, is did the suicide prevention team ever come to you guys and ever interview you in regards to Marilyn's um, mental health? I don't know anything about that. 
don't know anything about that. Um, we okay. have a caller on the on the call, um, uh, and and before we do that, I'd like to just play a clip from some of and you you'll enjoy this, uh, Michael. Given the fact that uh, some of these people are that new, new Maryland, let's uh, listen to what they have to say about her. Okay. She looked for love as anyone does who wants something simple out of life, and I believe she did. She didn't particularly care for money. She didn't particularly want to collect things, and I think she wanted to be married and have children. Some people could talk their way into her and get a lot of things from her just by giving them a sad story. And a lot of them did when we first started. She gave one a car for a while, her own car, 41 Pontiac, I remember it. I mean, that was back in the early days, you know, and uh, Marilyn only was a stock kid. She didn't make that any money like that. I'd say, well, Marilyn, why do you have to do this this way? Because it costs a great deal of money. She said, don't worry, it's tax deductible. Everything was tax deductible, she thought. Had no idea about money, none. There was a sort of a childishness about her that you, you felt that she should be protected uh, from, from anything that could be disturbing to her. In California, there's a law that a child who has been abandoned before the age of 16 has no responsibility to their parents. But Marilyn never shirked the responsibility when she was making $250 a week. She was paying for her mother's care. That were some of the people that knew her best. That was Amez Nelson, her business manager. Uh, Michael, what is one of your recollections of Marilyn? It sounds like sometimes from some of your clips, you 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 you're not sure. Exa- we're not exactly sure how you felt about her. How did you feel about Marilyn yourself? Well, she was difficult um, when she didn't need to be difficult. Um, I was also representing Judy Garland at the time, and Judy Garland had. Um, like Monroe, uh, and a terrible childhood. But Judy was always kind and always sweet to me. Uh, she would walk down her stairway at 2 o'clock in the afternoon uh, for a meeting with me, and she had a black eye, which was her morning, and um, uh, she would totter on her little heels uh, into the kitchen to make tea for me. Um, Monroe was just, uh, I, I think she was a man-hater. And, when you say uh, man-hater, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that uh, she was quoted as saying uh, that uh, she was uh, handed like a piece of meat uh, among the studio executives. Yeah, she was. Um, and the casting couch exists. Uh, it's still. And, uh, but she used, also used men. I mean, she Yeah, but that, what, I, that doesn't make somebody a man-hater. I mean, that's a very strong word to be calling. So that's a judgment about somebody versus... Yeah, I think, I think she, was, uh, she was cruel to a stupid little kid like me. Uh, when so she you were, you were young. Be. You were like 26 years old, right? I was 24. 24. Wow. So you were really young. So she, she, she was kind of distanced with you and she didn't treat you all that no, well. So. No, she was mean. She was, she was, um, she was definitely mean and mean to my, uh, uh, ex-wife who was nine months pregnant. Um, because one of those cold, rainy January evenings, uh, I was told to, uh, show up at Marilyn's apartment. She was uh, living on Doheny drive in uh, Frank Sinatra's apartment. Uh, Sinatra wasn't there. And I couldn't leave my 19-year-old um, actress wife alone. And uh, she had the next dressing room on the Fox lot to Marilyn. And they knew each other. So um, 
Carol and I walk up to the door, and uh, I knock, and she opens the door, and uh, she says, you come in. She has to wait in the car. So, um, you know, uh, I was I, 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 Can I just stop you for just a second? I know you, 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 know, you experienced that with, with your, your wife. It's hard for me to, uh, given what I know about Marilyn, and I've, 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 you know, now just been doing this over the last year. She had such an appreciation for children and motherhood. Um, to be able to treat somebody like that just seems really out of character for her. Um, Not saying she couldn't have been mean, um, because she certainly had her mixed moments, but that just seems really not character, you know, for her type of character. So that's that's a hard one to 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 comprehend that she would make a, a you know a pregnant woman wait out in the car in the cold. Well, uh, Carol, uh, when I came out, she said that she tried to seduce you. And I said, no. She said, she's just jealous because I'm pregnant and she's not, and I'm younger and I'm prettier. Well, let's get back a little bit. Um, I, I've got a question for you about Judy Garland. Um, how did you represent her? Because I know that in New York, um, she was living in New York. Did you guys do, like you were representing her, but you were in California and she was in New York? How did that work? No, she was li- living in a house on Rockingham Drive. Okay, okay. And Gary, you have some questions uh, again well, as well. Well, yeah, you know, it, it seems, you know, the, the picture you, you paint, Mr. Michael, is that you and Marilyn d- didn't, didn't click on, on any level. But I wonder, um, for, the, for the purpose of the show, um, do, you, do you have any positive recollection or anything positive that, that you could share with the audience oh, about she- Marilyn? She was just another actress to me. Uh, just really another actress. Like one, you really one didn't of the, care for her. No. Yeah, because one of the things that I just think it's really important for us, you know, um, because what we're doing right now, we've got fifty-three years plus of, um, you know, the, the the the. Here's the wonderful thing about somebody like yourself is that you lived the era of Arthur P. Jacobs during that time, and you were connected to the the people that we are talking about, and mm-hmm. and being able to dissect that for us and understand kind of what was happening, what wasn't happening in that day, um, from the specifics. Is is really, really valid. But one of the things that I think, and, and we've been dissecting these shows, and I, I want to just plead with you, right, when you go out into the world because you're, you know, promoting your connection with Marilyn Monroe, that we get the facts straight. And one of the things that I just want to make sure that you do not keep saying, Marilyn was not drinking the day she died. She didn't have a drink. She has no alcohol in her system. So you have every right to not like the woman. You have every right not to care for her, and she was just another actress. But I'm going to plead with you not to 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 keep extending rumors that just are not true. It might be what you heard, and you can say that, but don't state it as fact, because one of the things that we're doing on this show is fact fiction, probable theory versus outlandish rumor. And so I, I just I just want to just, you know, uh, say this to you because you're obviously out there promoting your your, uh, you know, a press agent at uh, Arthur P. Jacobs uh, agency. Um, you know, Pat Newcomb is the one that actually represented her. You were all working together, which makes you guys very close and you knew what was going on during that time. Uh, and and. And the other thing is, is that we now know from the autopsy report that Marilyn did not have an abortion six weeks before she died. So I just, those are a couple of things that we've heard you say that just are not true. 
how do you know? Based on her tox, her toxicology the toxicology and her toxicology report, yes, has no ethanol. And Cyril Weck, um, the pathologist, commented on Marilyn having not been present, pregnant for a period of time prior her, to her death due to the examination of the reproductive system. Mm -hmm. Will, William Goldman, the screenwriter, once said of Hollywood, nobody knows anything, and that's the case. Yeah, but toxicology doesn't lie. And so that's one of the things that we can at least on some of the things that we know and don't know. Um, and so what I'm just going to say to you is the things that are your opinion Please say they're your opinion. If they're fact, they're fact. But those are two things that we know based on her toxology, which science does not lie. You just can't on that one. Um, but I really, really, uh, Gary, did you have any other questions for? Um, no, I don't have. I really don't have any questions for Mr. Self. One, one last question I do have for you, Michael, is um, the day that she died, Fox. Um, you know, there's a lot of rumors about Fox uh, stepping in because they didn't want to. To, uh, have their star look bad. Did did Fox ever step in that night and try to uh, arrange the way things were supposed to look, or was it just nope. you guys? Nope. nope. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's good to know as well. Thank you for clarifying that. You know, thank you for for being on the show today and giving us a little bit of insight into that era. Uh, some of the specifics of of what you remember. I really appreciate that, and just really appreciate you being on the show. And also, if you could take my words to heart about fact and fiction, and uh, you know, opinion versus uh, what is really the truth. I, I really, really appreciate that as well. Well, I know what I know. You just heard a clip from a past interview with Michael Selzman, where Gary and I interviewed the PR agent and producer. You heard me referencing in this interview that I didn't want him to continue spreading rumors. And this is why this episode and this, this particular interview was important for us to air because he was featured on a past television show where he was quoted on saying that Marilyn was drinking the last day of her life, in addition that she was also pregnant recently prior to passing. So we know for a fact, based on our past radio shows and really getting under what is rumor and calculated theory, the fact is Marilyn did not drink the last day of her life any alcohol and she also was not pregnant. What do you think about that uh, interview with Michael Selzman, Gary? Well, as a mental health professional working with folks, I hear different perspectives. So someone tells me one perspective of a situation and then another person tells me sometimes a completely different perspective and usually between is where the truth lies. And so we heard Mr. Selzman's perspective on why uh, they didn't have a positive relationship. And so I actually have additional information and insight into why Marilyn's reaction to Mr. Selzman was so strong and so negative. And what do you mean that it was so strong and so negative? What exactly do you have? Well, in researching ICON, I interviewed many people who were alive at the time who um, had direct contact with Marilyn. And so they told me um, information that was on the record, which I included in ICON, but sometimes confidentially, they told me other information which I didn't include. And so one particular person who was very close to Marilyn and uh, Mr. Selzman, according to them, 
um, shared with me, they remain anonymous, but they shared with me also uh, a negative impression of him. They said that Marilyn, having survived all that she did, she had a really good instinct about people, who to trust and who not to trust, who was good to know and who wasn't good to know in the terms that they used. And so um, he was someone uh, who, whom she mistrusted. She had a gut feeling about him. Um, exactly why, um, I don't know, but this other person shared that gut feeling as well. So remember, when you're reviewing the Maryland story for yourself, and you will be in these upcoming new podcast episodes, do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, when you're, when you're studying someone's life, it's like looking into a dollhouse through one window. And when you have the perspective of one window, you have a very limited vision of what's inside that dollhouse. So you have to go through the dollhouse and look into all of the windows. And the more windows that you can look into, you have a much more accurate vision of what's actually inside that home. You'll never know exactly 100% because you're not inside, but the more windows in which you look, the clearer the impression you have of what's inside.